Okay, so uh, this is the month where we want to get every single person that comes to Cornerstone Church reading the Bible for themselves. Okay, and so we're going to ask you about it. When you come in, I want you asking each other about it, going, how did your Bible reading go? So if you don't, you know, want to read the Bible, you shouldn't come here um, because we're going to just keep, because here's the thing, we don't want you just to come here and just listen to one person share the, the word. We, we want you to read it for yourself and not just trust anyone to interpret it for you. We want you to read it, pray before reading it, saying, God, show me the truth, and then read it over and over and over. And, uh, and we were going to have you read through uh, the book of Luke, you know, each week, and we said, you know, let's make it simpler so that there's just no excuses. And so we're going to read the book of First John. It's about three pages long, okay? <laughs> First John, it's right before Revelation, you know, Jude, Revelation, but, but uh, it's, it's right there in the back. First John, I, I even timed myself to see how long, right, be, right before this service, I go, I wonder how long it does take. And I, I was just slow reading it through, seven and a half minutes, okay? And we're asking everyone to make it through the book of First John by the end of the week, Seven and a half minutes, so a minute a day, okay? I don't think we're asking a whole lot. So if you don't do this, okay, that just shows you something about yourself. Um, but here's what we'd prefer you do, is to read through the book of First John every day, okay? Just, you, you know, and sometimes we put a lot of pressure on ourselves, but, you know, because people go, well, the Bible's hard to understand. Yeah, there are parts that are difficult to understand, I'm just saying read through it. You don't have, it, so, so there may be some verses you don't understand. There'll be plenty that you do. I mean, when I read the newspaper, there are sentences I don't understand, but I don't stop reading it, uh, you know, on the internet. I don't want to pay for it. But, uh, it, you know, it's, it's just the whole idea of, of we, what we want is all throughout the week, you know, if you're in our database, data, database, database, what kind of accent is that? Uh, database, um, what is it? Boston, that's what it is. I'm like, where would I get that? Um, uh, okay, now I'm on a tangent. Okay, if you're in our database, database wow. Um, you know, I was in Canada yesterday. Do they do that? They do that there too. Okay, they, they just talk funny. Um, but uh, uh, we're, we're going to be calling different people and just going, man, what did you, we want you as you run into each other, uh, Wherever, in a restaurant, at school, at work. Hey, what did you get out of 1 John today? Just asking each other. Hey, what did you, what did you read? What did you get out of 1 John today? And we just start talking about the Word of God because, again, people are going to be teaching all sorts of things out there. And even when you go to different churches and maybe even here one day, that, that, that I or anyone can start just messing around with the Word of God, watering it down, changing what it really says, and at the end of the day, you've got to know exactly what this book says, and you've got to pray for yourself and read, because there, I could be watering it down today. There are things I'm scared to say today, and maybe I'll be too scared and I don't say them, and maybe I get ashamed of it. I mean, you've you got, you got to stop trusting people so much to handle the Word of God for you and to just study it, study it, study it. And so 
this month we're going to be reading through the book of 1 John all month. Some of us, hopefully you read through the book of 1 John every single day this month and then we'll move on to another book. Imagine you know, how well you'll know that book of the Bible by the end of the month. So what if there's a few verses you don't understand or three-fourths of it you don't understand you know, this afternoon when you read it or tomorrow when you read it? Think about the end of the month. And so we're just going to just ask you to encourage one another and talk to one another and that we really fellowship around the Word of God. So uh, can you guys do that? First John, this month, First John. Okay, and call all your friends that, that uh, weren't here this week and check up on them and remind them. I'll email you. We'll uh, do everything we can to just get everyone reading the word this week, this month. Um, I'm going to start off with a joke. <laughs> I don't think I've ever done that in 15 years, but... Um, I don't know a lot of jokes. You know, I, I, I can think of like five jokes. You know, some people can memorize. I can think of five. And this is the one I can tell in church. Um, it, it, uh, but it had, there's a point to it. And I think maybe this is why I know it. Because uh, I think it sums up what I was talking about in Romans 1. Um, but that could be my imagination. Okay. Actually, I heard one on the plane yesterday. The stewardess told one. Let me tell that one first, because I still have it in my head. These two antennas uh, fell in love. Um, they're on a rooftop, and they fell in love with each other, and so they decided to get married, um, these two antennas. Uh, the wedding was terrible, but the reception was awesome. <laughs> All right, I'm getting warmed up. Funny thing happened on the way to church. No, okay, here's, here's my joke, Okay. This one's kind of dumb, but there's a point to it. Okay, so, <laughs> isn't that a cute joke? Okay, uh, this guy is driving, okay, and he accidentally cuts off this, this gangbanger, this gangster. And uh, so bad guy to cut off, and so this guy speeds up the gangster, you know, and cuts the other guy off and makes him pull off to the side of the road. And uh, he pulls the guy out of the car, and he goes, you stand right here, and he draws a circle in the dirt, around this guy. He goes, you stand in this circle. You take one step out of this circle and I will kill you. And the guy's all scared, so he just stands in the circle. Meanwhile, the, the gangster grabs a bat and just bashes in this guy's headlights and looks over. And the guy is standing in the circle going, laughing. So the gangster goes, you think that's funny, huh? And he just takes the bat and, and, you know, breaks in his windshield. He slashes all the tires. You know, and the guy's standing in his circle going. <laughs> and the guy goes, you think this is a joke? You think this is funny? So he sets the guy's car on fire. Looks back. The guy is standing in a circle just laughing hysterically. Hysterically now, just laughing at the top of his lungs. He's crying because he's laughing so hard. And so finally he looks at him, he goes, What's so funny? And the guy goes, I, I stepped out of the circle three times and you never saw me. <laughs> Thank you, I'll be here all week. Um, but here's the point to that story. When I think of Romans 1, I can't help but think of that joke, okay? Because here's the thing, is God has drawn a circle with his word. He's drawn a circle and he says, look, 
I want you to stay inside of the circle. Everything outside of the circle is going to lead to death. It's going to lead to, it's going to lead to, it's, it's, it's called sin. You stay in the circle under my commands and it's going to lead to life. This is my garden. You know, don't, don't go outside of it. Don't eat of that tree. Don't do this or that. And meanwhile, people are constantly stepping out of the circle going, ha, God didn't strike me dead. Ha, God didn't strike me dead. Meanwhile, by stepping outside of the circle, our lives are falling apart. That sin that we so cherish and we think, oh, no, 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 but this drug is okay. This one's all right. It's just a little bit, a little bit of this. And we don't realize, man, all of that is destroying us. And and, and when we look at Romans 1, it's saying, "Do do you see the wrath of God being poured out upon the world just through the consequences of our disobedience? Because when you start dabbling in the sin, it destroys you. God made this circle. And he says, look, this is where I want you to live. Stay in here. Quit stepping outside, and it's because people keep stepping outside of the circle that God's called us to, to live in through his word and, and outside of his command and his life that's, that's here to, to protect us. Our lives are falling apart. I mean, it's tempting outside the circle, isn't it? You see things outside the circle, you think, oh, that would be fun. Oh, that. But every time, for those of us who are believers, we step out, it kills us, Right? Because it takes away that peace with God. And not only then, but there's consequences to our sin. And there's a reason why God created his law and why he gave it to us. It was not to destroy our lives, but actually to lead us to life. Um, you know, we, we just sang that song and we sang that phrase, I found a love that's greater than life itself. I found a love greater than life itself. Do you believe that? Do you, do you go, gosh, being in this circle, being in, under God's authority, being under his law, being under just this loving God and having him as my father, as my God, as my Lord. Man, that's, that's everything I live for. It's, it's so good. I know there's times I get tempted, but it's like, gosh, I gotta get back here under the presence of God and under his headship, under his, fathership, his fatherhood. I just wanna be here. Do, 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 you, do you believe that? Do you really live like, like you found something in God that's greater than life itself? I, I, there was a beautiful picture of this just last Sunday. Um, last Sunday night at 6 o'clock, um, I, I called for people to come forward for, for prayer. And, uh, and I, I said, you know, maybe there's some, someone here that's, that's maybe sick and wants healing, and uh, the Bible talks about calling for the elders of the church to lay hands and pray over them, and, and so if anyone wants to get healed, come up and pray, you know, have, be prayed for by the elders, and, and one of my friends came forward, um, some of you guys know him, John Fatro. John, uh, John is blind, I've known him for about 20 years, you see him here with his, his, his dog, and uh, um, seeing eye dog, and uh, he came forward because uh, his kidneys have been failing again. Um, and the pain is just really, really, really killing him. But, but, the, but what struck me was when he got up there and we were getting ready to pray for him, he, he says, I want to apologize, guys. He goes, um, he goes I was going to come sooner, but because I know that's what the word of God says. He goes, but I wasn't sure that I wanted to get healed. He, he says, he goes, because when I'm healthy, 
I tend to not think about God a whole lot or not as much as I should. And ever since I've been in this pain and my health is failing, my kidneys are failing, I'm constantly praying, always, always thinking about God. And it's been so good. And it got me to the point where I wasn't sure I wanted to be healed because being close to God is so important to him. And I just thought, wow, that's so powerful. He goes, I'd rather be close to God than to be free from this pain. And so I didn't know if I wanted to be healed. And I said, well, that's awesome, John. That's, that is an amazing statement right there. And you could just see it. You, you know, he really meant that. And I go, I go, but reason with me for a moment. If God heals you, don't you think that's going to cause you to glorify him and, and, and worship him for healing you? And, and couldn't that bring you closer to God? And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's true, of course. And uh, I said, not only that, John, though, I go, do you believe God can heal you of your blindness and give you sight? Now, granted, I, I've known this guy for 20 years, and I, I don't remember when he lost his sight. It was before I'd met him. Um, he says, no, I absolutely believe that. And I go, that's great, John, because I do too. And I want to pray not just for your kidney, but I want to see a miracle. And I, I believe God can do anything. And so I want to pray over that. And, uh, and who knows? Who knows? God may heal you of that one day. And, and, uh, and he just with a big smile, he goes, I know, I know he could. But he reminded me once again. He goes, he goes but he goes, Francis, when I had my eyesight... I didn't know God. He goes, it was when I became blind that I could finally see him. And he says, I would much rather be blind and be able to see God than to have my sight back and not know him. And such a, you know, it was just, it's just such an honor to pray for someone like that who just goes, you see, Francis, it's, it's better than life itself. We studied Romans 1 last week, and it was these people that they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for this lie and for these idols and for, you know, so they could have the freedom to do whatever they wanted. And here's a guy that's saying, no, 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 you understand, I, I, I found a love that's greater than life itself. The, the glory of the immortal God, I would never exchange that just to be able to see, just to have a kidney that works. I, I just want God. I want God. I mean, do you understand how precious this gift of God himself really is? I mean, do you live that way? Do you believe that? Or, or, or today, are there things that, that, that uh, challenge that? Where you go, well, you know what? I, I love God, but here's some other things in my life. I'm not ready to let go. Is it, is it even like, are you getting close to exchanging God for something else? Or do you just go, no, no, no. This, this love is greater than life itself. I would never exchange the glory of knowing God, the immortal God, for anything else. You, you know, as, as we're praying for John, obviously... My prayer and anything I say is not going to give him his sight back, right? That's, it would take a miracle of God for him to see. So I don't sit down and write through a prayer or a speech that I think will work that will give him his eyesight back. I just say, God, it's totally up to you. Now what the Bible teaches is that it would be just as impossible for me to talk you into believing in Jesus Christ 
and for your eyes to be open to the scriptures today. There are some of you in here that have never believed this book. You've never believed its teachings. You've never believed what it says about Jesus Christ. And I am under no illusion thinking that I can come up here and now talk you into it because I prepared a message good enough. The Bible says it would take an absolute miracle for you to understand and have your eyes open. But the Bible says, too, that it's something that the Holy Spirit does, and we can't control that, where he suddenly opens our eyes, and now we see truth. See, a miracle did happen last Sunday night at 6 o'clock. Florence, who's 67 years old, and has denied this book her whole life, and was in a part of a, a religion that taught that sin isn't even real, and has been heavily involved in against all of this. Her daughter's been bringing her for the last few weeks, and week after week, she just goes, I don't know if I believe that. I don't think I believe that. Well, last Sunday night, she says, when the words came on the screen of Romans 1, and she just started reading it, Everything in her knew, this is true. I believe that. I know that is true. And she looked at her daughter and goes, man, everything he said, I just know it's true. And she walked up on the stage and got baptized. Okay? That's what I'm talking about. It's just, it's nothing about me. Okay, I didn't come up with any of this. I didn't write Romans. I wrote a little bit of Leviticus. Um, <laughs> That's why no one reads it. Um, I'm kidding. I didn't write any of the Bible. It's just, you know, you, you, you put the words on the screen, and uh, there's, there's something about it. The Bible says that uh, there's a power in his words. There's a power in these words, and, and many of us know because it's changed our lives. We can't even explain it. It's just at a time, it's like our eyes were open. I tell my preaching class, I go, you know, when I, when I speak, I, I have to remind myself. I, I sometimes pretend like I'm speaking at a convention of blind people, and you don't talk a blind person into seeing. It takes a miracle of God for their eyes to be open. In the same way, I don't come up here in my own power going, okay, let me talk you into believing in God and believing that Jesus is the Son of God and died on that cross for you. It's going to take a miracle of God for you to believe that. But that miracle has happened in many of our lives, and, uh, and it has changed us. And as I talk about John and his desire just to be close to God, some of you get that. Some of you go, I know what he's talking about. Like it's painful and the things of earth hurt, but when they bring us closer to God, like God is so worth it that I'm okay going through that pain because it's better than all of that. He's better than all of that. And so I'm going uh, to read the word of God to you. Actually, I'm going to have you read the word of God to yourself. We're just going to have it silent in here. And you're just going to read uh, Romans Chapter 1, verses 18 through 32. I'm going to put it on the screens. But before we do that, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to ask you to pray. Pray for yourself and pray for those around you that that God would just open our eyes to the truth of his words. Would you just bow your heads and just, just begin praying. Father, open up our eyes. Give us a reverence for your word right now. God, may we tremble at it. 
and trust you more than the opinion of anyone else. God, I pray this month that you would just move in our hearts and give us a reverence for your word like never before. That we would fall in love with your commands and want to stay in the circle that leads to life. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you guys stand with me? And just take your time and just read through these words now and understand that these are the words that came from the mouth of God to you. This comes out of Romans chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, you can read in there too, but the rest of us, let's just read on the screen. Father, I ask that your spirit would lead us now, that you'd open our eyes to this passage, and God also protect me from saying anything you don't want me to say. And give me the boldness to say everything that you've called me to say. Give me things to say that are specific for this service and the people before me. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. You know, I want to point out something in this passage. In in Romans, uh, in chapter 1, verse 25, it says they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. It says they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Now, some of your Bibles, it may say in your Bibles, they exchange the truth of God for the lie. Because in the Greek, there actually is a definite article in there where they exchange the truth of God for the lie. And then it goes on and explains the, and, uh, what, what that, that lie is. Uh, they, they worshiped and served the creature, that's us, the created being, rather than the creator. The lie. It's interesting that that definite article, I don't want to make too much of that because I'm not a real little detailed guy. I just think, well, generally, just look what it says. But there is something interesting about the lie, and could it be that there is a lie that was the same lie from the beginning, that in the garden, what was the lie? You know, remember Adam and Eve, they're in the garden, and, and then Satan comes, you know, comes to Adam and Eve and starts talking to them, and, uh, or talking to her, and you know, he's watching the whole thing. But, but he, here's the thing, he, they're, they're there in the garden, and, uh, and God says, don't eat of this tree, Right? And Satan's words, it says in Genesis 3, verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, No, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Okay, think about that first lie. 
The first lie, he's getting him to, he's getting him to question the word of God. Come on, did God really say that? Okay, God's not going to strike you dead for eating of this fruit. Do you hear lies like that? Isn't that still what the enemy is saying? God's not going to send you to hell just for that sin. Everyone's doing what's he going to send us all to hell? Come on, did God really say, and does that book really hold any weight? I mean, they think about how old that thing is now and how many times it's been misinterpreted. Come on, did God really say that? The truth is, you know, same thing. What was Satan telling Eve? Look, God knows that the moment you eat of it, you're going to become just like him. See, quit staying under his rules. Quit staying in his circle. I mean, God's just doing that to ruin your life, to suppress you. But it's all about you. You do what you want to do, and you eat of that fruit, and it'll actually give you more knowledge, and you're going to become just like God. You can then call the shots, and you don't have to be under his leadership. You can worship and serve the creature rather than the creator and get out from under his law. John 8 talks about the devil and talks about how he's the father of lies. He's the author. He's the father of it. He says whenever he opens his mouth, he speaks lies. He speaks the lie. It's this lie that's telling you you're better off on your own than to be under the protection of God. You don't need his rules anymore. You don't need him to lead you. You don't need him to guide you. His commands don't lead to life, so go off on your own. And as we studied Romans 1 last week, it was describing, you want to be off on your own? Go. Go do your own thing and see where it gets you. But I want, you, I want to point out that there's a lie that's out in the world. And the Bible talks about how, how it refers to Satan as the prince of this world. That there's going to be an influence in this world. And that's why the Bible says don't love this world or this world system. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father isn't in him. There's going to be this general pattern. There's going to be this wide road, the Bible says, that leads to destruction. But there's a narrow road that leads to life and few will find it. He says if you're going to follow the majority and want to be popular, you can't follow God and be popular. It's never, it's never happened. You have to be one of those that says, you know, I'll take that narrow road and I don't care. That's why we used to sing that song when we were little kids. Some of us, though none go with me, still I will follow. The world behind me, the cross before me. It was just, no, I'm going for this because all through history, you'll see a few individuals that say, you know what, I'm going for it. I'm going to do this. I know that the rest of the world thinks this is ridiculous, but, but I'm, I'm going to keep going for it. You know, last week we talked about the creation, and you know, it was interesting because on Thursday I was out in Santa Clarita, and I had some appointments out there, and I had like a, you know, hour two window gap, and I thought, I'm not going to drive all the way back to see me. I'm just going to go to a park, and I'm just going to study at this park, and it was a beautiful, beautiful day, you know, and I just found some random park. I was right next to it, so I, I drove in there, and uh, you know, you, you know, you see the sun, you know, some birds were flying by. I'm going, oh, that's so cool. And I'm looking out the trees and, you know, just, just this little hill. And every, you ever been in one of those places where it's like, oh, this is really cool. This is really nice. It's like being outdoors. 
And, uh, and I, I'm just looking at everything. And then, and then these kids, you know, I, I don't know if there was like a little child care thing or a bunch of little kids, you know, were, were out there a good distance away. And I'm just looking at these little kids, you know, and kids are just hilarious to me. You know, they just, just do the goofiest things. I'm just, I'm just kind of laughing, looking, you know, there's some ladies there talking about who knows what, you know, and I'm just going, oh, you know. Women are so interesting to me, you know, you guys, we just talk about different stuff. And, uh, and, and I'm just looking at the whole scene, I'm going, this is so cool, look at this, just, just look at everything. There's no design to this? You're telling me there's no designer? So I'm a fool for looking at this and going, I think there's a design behind all of this. I don't think this is an accident as I look at all this. Isn't it crazy how the world twists everything to where if you believe that there's design to this world, you're the fool. Because now most people are thinking it's more intelligent to believe that this was all just an accident. I, I tell you, I see God in there. I, I sat down at the table, and, and there was like there was like there was a bird poop all over it, you know. But there was one little section. I thought, oh, thanks, Lord. There's one little section I can put my stuff down, and but I even stared at a little piece of poop, and I'm thinking, that's awesome. That is so awesome. I mean, so some bird. Think about it. I, 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 some bird ate something, you know, and, and uh, it went through his whole little birdie digestive system and gave it nutrients, and the rest came out as a little bird button, you know, and it, it just, and it lands on the ground and fertilizes the ground. You know, it's just, I'm looking at everything going, wow, that's awesome, God, look at that thing. You know, but everything, it's, it's like when your eyes are open, you just go, God, there's, there's, there's just beauty in everything. You know, I, I just look at this crowd, I look at, you laugh, and you know, the way we think and interact with one another. I go, this is so amazing. And God says, that's why people don't have an excuse. But isn't it crazy that we're looked at as weird and ignorant for believing in a designer? I never really thought about that before, just how much Satan twists this. Where what's obvious truth, like God says, anyone can look at the world and go, there's a creator to this and we should give thanks to him but he'll twist everything around to where we're foolish for believing there's design to this beautiful earth. And not only that, but everything is so twisted in our world, like the, the Bible says uh, that they, they start making idols for themselves and they exchange the glory of the immortal God for these, these blocks of wood that they bow down to and say, you may, isn't it crazy that it's actually what the world teaches right now, that it's unloving. It's loving. It's unloving if I see a guy carving out an idol out of a block of wood, and then I see him bowing down to it, burning food to it, and looking at this block of wood and going, you made me. That it's actually unloving, according to the world, for me to look at the guy and go, that didn't make you. You just made it. I watched you. Isn't it crazy that we live in a world that teaches it makes more sense to tell this guy, you're right. And whatever you believe in your heart is right. That makes total sense that that block of wood created you. See how everything's twisted? And then as we start talking about all these different sins, the, the unforgiveness, the gossip, the deceit, 
as he talks about the men and women who exchanged the natural relations and became inflamed with lust for one another, that now suddenly I'm an absolute jerk in the eyes of the world right now because I will look at a man and a woman physiologically and say, I believe that was God's design. So I'm a jerk for saying that. And I, I personally believe there'll be a day when I'm arrested for saying that. It, it, it makes it difficult. But the Bible talks about courage. It talks about those who will speak up. In fact, the second verse I ever memorized in my life, it was when I was in high school. You guys know the first verse, right? John 3.16, same one. I think there's a rule. You've got to memorize that one. But, but the second verse I still remember is Romans 1, verse 16. I still remember this in high school. It was one of the first ones I memorized. Romans 1, verse 16 says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. This is the second verse I memorized, to my recollection. I remember just sitting down and memorizing this. My youth pastor said, here's a good one to memorize. And that's weird, because I don't know if anyone else that's memorized this first, you know, or after John 3.16. For I am not ashamed of the God. And I'm so thankful that I memorized this. And it was so important while I was in high school in those years when no one, it seemed no one on my campus was taking God seriously. That, that, that I was called to memorize, I am not ashamed of the God. I'm not ashamed of this truth that I believe. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because there's a power in it. It's a power that's going to help other people be saved. And, and, and it is for the Jew. It's not this anti-Semitic, this, this you know, Jew bashing thing. No, it's actually for the Jewish people that the gospel has come. And it's also for everyone else who believes for all the Greeks or Gentiles or basically the rest of the world, it's for all of us. There's a power in it, so don't be ashamed. But, but, but honestly, don't you get ashamed sometimes? I, I'd be really surprised if there was anyone in this room who, who had never been ashamed of the gospel. That in certain environments, when everyone else is mocking this belief in a creator, mocking our morality and what we say about marriage and, and about divorce and about uh, you know purity before marriage and uh, you know these different things and what we believe about no not always lead to heaven you can't just worship anything that was the sin back then there's one way to heaven that's through the true God and through his son Jesus Christ let's face it there's times when we're ashamed of that right and even as I read Romans 1 every year from here on out, there'll be a greater and greater temptation for you to be ashamed of these truths. Because aren't there times when maybe you'll even bring a friend to church, and maybe you brought one today, and you're going, man, why did you read that verse? <laughs> right? And we become ashamed of God's word, like, pick an easier one, because I'm not sure I like that part of God. Why'd you talk about the wrath of God? Don't you know no one wants to believe in the wrath of God anymore? That's not popular anymore. And so suddenly we in the church become ashamed of that truth. Oh, I don't want to say that God actually judges people. I don't want to say that God created this place called hell and he can actually send people there. I don't want to believe that. I want to, we become ashamed. And Paul says, I'm not ashamed of this. 
And some of you may be thinking, well, that's easy for him. I mean, back then. Well, let's talk about back then. Do you understand what was going on when Paul wrote the book of Romans? Do you understand who the Roman emperor was at that time? While he wrote this, the Roman emperor was a, a man named Nero. Recognize that name, Emperor Nero? Emperor Nero used to take Christians, put them in his garden, and burn them alive. He made them torches to light up his garden. That's who, that's who Paul was writing toward. Emperor Nero had two, that we know of, at least two homosexual marriages. The emperor. And Paul writes this in, in his day. I'm telling you, it's much more difficult back then. And that's when Paul says, I'm not ashamed of this, though. These are the words of God. I'm going to stand by it. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And it's because he was not ashamed of it that he was eventually killed for it. And so understand this. This is nothing new. Sometimes we think, oh, things are so terrible in our day and age. Read the Bible sometime. And you'd see it's really not that bad comparatively this whole cycle, things just keep going on like they have from the beginning. It's interesting, though, because uh, I was reading this thing that uh, President Obama, when he was speaking to, and, and, and please understand me, I, I support our president, I pray for our president, I cannot imagine being in his shoes, um, but I do want to bring some things to your attention just because I think it's things that we need to pray about, but also for us to understand, look, this is where the world's going. And he represents so much of it. But uh, in, um, while he was speaking to gay leaders, he declared that the foes of homosexuality are holding on to worn arguments and old attitudes. In other words, anyone that would question this is holding on to the past and these old arguments, these worn arguments and old attitudes. And I, I usually just accept that. I go, yeah, I know, I'm old-fashioned, but... Think about it. Why is it that because I revert back to the words of Christ that I'm archaic or outdated, and yet if someone goes back to the beliefs of Emperor Nero, he's forward-thinking or progressive? How does that make sense? Did we just invent homosexuality a few years ago? And so we've come up with something new? Or is this something that's been there from the beginning? And there have always been the differences, the difference of opinion. But you understand the spin that will be put on the world to make it look like, oh yeah, I'm archaic and that's forward thinking when this has been going on from the beginning. Remember Noah's Ark? You know, and the way people were living back then? Remember Sodom and Gomorrah? The way people were living back then? Remember the time of Christ? And the way people were living back then, everything just keeps cycling. And so to say that we've come up with a new way of thinking or we've evolved into a new pattern of thinking, I'm saying, no, read your history book. It's, there's always been this battle. And so understand that people have had to stand throughout history saying, look, I understand this is the pattern of the world, but I'm not going to conform to that. Here's what the Word of God has said all along, and I'm going to stick to it, and I believe that it leads to life. And I wanted you to take some time today just to, to look at your own life because I found myself ashamed at times and I don't want to be that person. I, I find myself being scared to, to read certain passages 
and go, man, this isn't popular. Now understand, as I, as I say to these things, Paul gives a whole list of things. He's talking about murder. He's talking about gossip. He's talking about coveting. He's talking about envy. He's talking about all these things that uh, he says, here's just a sign that the world is, has, has rejected me and that my wrath is upon them. Look at what they're becoming and look at what they believe. Is your phone going off? Because <laughs> I'm totally distracted right now. It's all right. The first one is... I know, the first one's fine, it's the second one, because now everyone's heard that, and if you don't turn your phone off, and then, you're, then you're really going to be in trouble. Um, <laughs> I'll tell another joke. Um, you know, I've been, I've been praying for the church because... I think sometimes things change gradually and you just don't see yourself changing with it. You know, it's, it's, it's like that old statement about the frog in the kettle um, where, you know, you put a frog in some cold water and he'll just swim around. You just slowly heat it up, you know, and eventually, you know, he doesn't think anything of it. It's just, it just boils him to death because the slow progression. Oh, that's a gross illustration. Someone's like, ew. I know, I didn't come up with it. Why would you ever boil a frog? But anyways, it's, it's just that whole idea of it's not like we're, we're jumping into this boiling hot thing. It's just that over time, it just seems like it's getting hotter and hotter and hotter. And then you kind of look back and go, wow, we've come a long ways, but I didn't even notice it. You know, maybe I should be going like this. You know, we've, we've just kind of traveled down this road. And... Um, it's a, it's a tough, tough place that we live in. And I'm just saying that it's not anything new. It's been around forever. And the lie has been here from the beginning. And God is looking for those of us who say, you know what, we'll uphold the truth. And we'll stand for it. And I also understand that some of you really struggle with some of these things. There's some real, real deep uh, hurt in this room. And uh, some of you have left your, your wives or your husbands because they were driving you crazy. And I don't understand the pain you went through. But God doesn't say you can just divorce for any reason. We've got a ton of divorced people in here, so I'm not singling anyone out. Um, all sorts of affairs have taken place in the people in this room. Many of you have had sex outside of marriage, before marriage, sin. Some of you are more concerned about your future financially than you are about others who are dying today. And you're still coveting what other people have. And you'll see a nice car and go, I want that, I want that, I want that. These are all things that God says just shows the depravity of the world. The important thing is that we don't defend these things and uh, justify these things, but we admit, you know what, I've totally longed for that and I need to be saved from that. And Jesus says that's why he came, to be our savior, 
to save us from the penalty of that sin, which is hell, but also to save us from the sin itself to give us power over those things. I've, I've talked to women in my office that were just bawling their eyes out because they want to leave their husbands so badly, but they looked at the word of God and says, I don't have any grounds for that. I just need prayer. I've talked to homosexuals in my office just bawling their eyes out because they go, man, I'm looking at the word of God and I know it's wrong, but do you understand how tempting this is for me? Man, my heart just breaks for people like that. I, I talk to people that are struggling with all sorts of addictions and things and, and temptations and they're trying to explain how real it is to them. And, and I, I can understand to a point, I, I understand because I've got my issues too, as we all do. But I also go, you know what, I've seen how God's delivered me from things I didn't think I could ever be delivered from. Um, that, the power of the Holy Spirit, it really is true that he really does come into us and change us and enable us to live the way that he wants us to, enable us to, to live inside that circle and realize, wow, this is actually where life actually happens. And I actually found love, a relationship with God that's better than life itself. And I would never exchange knowing the glory of the immortal God for anything else in this world. And these are such difficult truths to uh, preach because I know how much some of you struggle. And I've been praying, God, give me a balance of understanding how difficult it is for some of you and at the same time being bold enough to tell you it is, it is absolutely sin in God's eyes and he does have the right to tell me what is right and wrong. And the lie from the beginning has been he has no right to tell me what's right or wrong. Whatever I want to do, I should be able to do that. And that's a lie. That is the lie to worship and serve the creature rather than the creator. And... Um, I'm just throwing a bunch of stuff out there today. I feel like I've thrown out so much already and I just, I pray that somehow your eyes are open to it. God is good. That was not his intention. His desire, his law tells us, I don't want a bunch of people murdering each other, ripping each other off. The reason why your door is locked right now and your car is because of sin. The, the reason why we, uh, you know, do so many of things we have to do on this earth is because of sin coming to the world. And he says, stand for my truth. Live in that circle. It'll lead to life and, uh, and it'll lead you to eternity. And I believe that with all my heart. Now, for some of you, maybe you've never decided to follow Jesus. The worship team's gonna come up right now and maybe you've never decided to follow him. You never decided to just live as he's called you to. You never really believed that. It's interesting because uh, the first command, the first thing Jesus asks us to do when we recognize truth, we recognize we can be forgiven because Jesus died on the cross for us and he rose from that grave. When we recognize that, he says, repent and be baptized. That means turn from that old way of living and God will empower you to do so. And he goes, and now get baptized. It's interesting because back then, baptism was a huge deal. Baptism was your public confession. You would be in front of a group of people, many of them very antagonistic. It wasn't like this. Right here, someone gets baptized, we all cheer for you. Back then, someone gets baptized and they could get stoned to death right afterwards. But Jesus said, you know what? Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of this truth no matter where it leads you. 
because I'm worth it. And maybe some of you have never taken that step of baptism, maybe because of shame, maybe because you thought, I don't want to go up there. That'd be embarrassing. You know, I'm, I'm glad Jesus asked us to do that first because it's a step of boldness, it's a step of courage. It says, look, I'm not ashamed. I'm ready to follow Jesus Christ. And I'll get up there, I'll go, I'll go in the water. I wasn't even planning on it, and I'll go home wet. Big deal. We're talking about something that's eternal here, and I'm ready to follow Jesus. And if you've never done that, I encourage you, there'll be some pastors and some counselors up here, and I encourage you to come forward and, and uh, talk to one of them during the, the worship time, and maybe today's a day when you get baptized. But if any of you just need prayer, maybe you need some healing, whatever it may be, there'll be some pastors and elders up here as we worship.